My name's Rat, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Welcome back to another Transformer-rific episode of Fanholes, Transformers Tuesdays. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight. And joining me tonight is one of my fellow Transformer enthusiasts. Why don't you give a shout-out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike and uh, Cobra la 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 cobra la <laughs> Yeah. So, in case you haven't figured out, we decided a while back that since Transformers Tuesday episode 13, which featured our coverage of Transformers versus G.I. Joe, was one of our most highly downloaded episodes, we would go back to the well and continue on where we left off. And the plan submitted by Mike for tonight was that we would cover issues five through nine. Again, you know, not blow by blow or anything, but that we just sort of wanted to follow up from where we left off. And if all goes well, we believe the series is ending with issue 13. So I think we're planning this as a trilogy of, of episodes, basically. And so, you know, this is going to be the Empire Strikes Back of Transformers vs. <laughs> Joe. It's going to be super awesome. We're going to leave you on a cliffhanger and you're going to want to come back for more. That's that's the hope anyway. Hi, Dad. Spike, what are you... An invader! The Decepticons must be alerted! Dad! Dad, don't! Must sound alarm! No! I guess, you know, again, I guess if this is somebody's first time listening to this... Uh, podcast and they haven't listened to the original one, it, it might be a good idea to go back and listen to Transformers Tuesday's episode 13. But at, at a high level, Transformers versus G.I. Joe is a series that's within its own continuity and it uses the pre-existing lore of all kinds of Transformers and G.I. Joe media to put together this massive artistic endeavor that basically crams everything in the kitchen sink into a single comic book. And it is by Tom Scioli and uh, John Barber. So yeah, you, you just kind of go from issue to issue and all this kind of wild and crazy stuff is, is going on and everything. But again, we, we did want to revisit it. I mean, I, I think, you know, for me, like I enjoyed reading the, the four issues I read and I was looking forward to reading more issues and everything. And of course, doing podcasts like these are, of course, a great excuse to, you know, remind yourself, oh, I got to get back into the grind and start reading this stuff and, and get into it for the show and stuff. And, and that's kind of how I um, 
how I ended up approaching this, you know, I ended up reading all the the current issues that were out to date. And, you know, specifically, I think what Mike wanted to do was cover issues five through nine, because they are going to be the issues that are collected in the second trade paperback. I mean, I guess, you know, the, the last time, you know, where we left off, I mean, G.I. Joe was on Cybertron. They have forged this alliance with the Autobots, which is kind of ironically referred to as the Jotobot Alliance, you know, so there's that going on. And uh, they're in the middle of this like huge giant end battle and everything that is going on on Cybertron where, you know, there's there's all these different factions involved and everything. But uh, I mean, again, there's kind of a lot of sort of, you know, Jack Kirby influenced artwork and everything with all these kind of different characters from the various series. I mean, for myself, like like the the things that stood out to me, uh, you know, in this kind of fifth issue were, you know, there, there's a sequence. There's this kind of odd sequence where in the midst of all this fighting and chaos that's going on between uh, G.I. Joe, Cobra, the Decepticons and the Autobots on Cybertron, there is this kind of flashback to the or, or almost a yeah, I guess it's a flashback, but it's like this kind of, you know, quick lightning flash to uh, an image of hawk's tomahawk and like there's this inference that hawk's tomahawk is going to play this huge role later down the line and when you have this weird flashback it's almost like you're seeing one of hawk's viking ancestors and it's like his tomahawk is almost like you know odin with molinger or you know molinier or whatever, you know, Miljoner, or, you know, whatever the fuck. But, like, I was just kind of like... Meh, meh. Meh, meh. Meh, meh. But, um, yeah, so, so yeah, like, Hawk, Hawk's Tomahawk is Mew Mew, basically, you know? And and I was just kind of like, well, that's kind of interesting. Like, I mean, it, it's not anything that had ever occurred to me. But, again, we, we were kind of fond of saying in the, the previous podcast coverage that this was kind of like, you know, has that childlike mentality of, you know, a bunch of kids playing with their toys and coming up with storylines based on that and just how they all sort of fit together and everything. And I guess seeing that, you know, Hawk has this kind of odd, you know, sort of ancient weaponry, you know, I, I mean, to me, I always thought Tomahawk might have just, you know, meant, you know, kind of like a, a more, you know, American Indian connotation. But in this, they took it as like, you know, they, they go back to like this kind of Viking imagery. And, and it's interesting, too, because they all seem to have a lot of Autobot imagery somehow imbued into the 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 Viking ship and the soldiers and all that kind of stuff. So like that kind of stood out to me. I mean, it, it could be a really weird you know, Morrison-y blue cupcake moment for some people. And, and it's also something that I suppose if you're interested in history and the historical aspects, I mean, it does make the universe more far-reaching. I mean, especially in this arc, because I, I think before you were looking at it in that first trade as like the the overarching history of maybe the toy lines and stuff and seeing the escalation. And it was almost like each issue was like looking at a, a toy catalog and kind of going, Oh, look at this guy. Look at that guy. I wonder what adventures I could make up with these toys. And then the progression of that. But, but in these comics, I think it kind of turned into a, a focus on like the wider narrative of, you know, the, the lore and the history of, you know, not only 
you know, the ancestry of like G.I. Joe's and, and Earth history, but also sort of the the ancestry of the Transformers themselves. And, you know, the aspects that they seem to be interested in dealing with was like, you know, who created the Transformers and stuff. And, you know, there's there's nods to the Quintessons. There's nods to Primus, you know, so they, they seem to, again, like a lot of these early Transformers timeline makers on the internet, you know, they, you know, again, they're cramming in all this lore into, you know, a single comic book and a single storyline and everything. Can I just say, I love, I love the logic behind the title of issue five story, which is everyone hates Metroplex. And, and the logic between behind that title is in this, in the, in issue five, like Triptychon is attacking Metroplex. So the logic is, Okay, follow me on this. The title is Everyone Hates Metroplex. There was a TV show, Everyone Loves Raymond. The actor Brad Garrett was on that TV show, and he voiced Triptychon in the G1 cartoon. Well, Metroplex, you promised me Metroplex. Me smash him! <laughs> like, I, I don't know, that's, like, hilarious to me. Like, that... That shows like a like a weird twisting logic like somehow, but I don't know. There's like tons of in jokes like that in this series and in this issue. See, and that that's something I was not privy to. So you're you're now schooling me on some of the the Easter eggs and in jokes that are on the the printed comic page here. You know what I, I did want to ask you like specifically like uh, uh, in regards to issue five. Like I'm sure like you mentioned in the last episode we talked about this series that you were you were engaged by like Hot Rod's like like you know story and like uh, how he he started at a low point and now he's like climbing back to the top and uh, I think he he kind of has his moment here where he if anyone hadn't listened to like the la or hasn't been reading this series like Grimlock like stole basically leadership of the Autobots from Hot Rod or Rodimus and Rodimus was like you know cast out of the tribe or whatever but here he kind of comes back and he like socks Grimlock across the jaw and he's like I'm taking over again you know so I'm sure you you seen you were pretty happy about that yeah I, I thought it was a cool moment it's it's interesting though for me because I was I was looking at you know how like Barber and and Scioli do their self commentary on on all the issues like at the the back pages of the issue and everything like that and it's interesting because most times they're very I'm not saying they're ever mean to one another, but most times it's either, you know, they're very mutually complimentary and, and they seem to be on the same page most of the time, whether they're paying compliments or whether they're just, you know, talking about the different nods and they kind of seem to agree with one another. But what I sort of found interesting in this notion is the way it's drawn, basically, you know, Rodimus does punch Grimlock and then there's some weird kind of time disparity where the next time you see Grimlock he's off confronting Megatron and yeah. you don't really know what happens in between that time but then there is a follow-up with Rodimus where it's one of these kind of strange sequences that I'm sure people probably have problems with on the internet or something but there's a few pages where you can't read a lot of the word balloons and I, I guess what that's supposed to I guess it's 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 supposed to be an effect to where the booming sounds of, you know, the, the transformations and the confrontations and everything is getting in the way of hearing somebody. So even though Megatron's announcing a bunch of stuff, it's like, you know, the 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 
plates of Triptychon are like getting in his way and stuff like that. And during that sequence, we do follow up with Rodimus where he says, you know, this is your king, Metroplex. I'm telling you to transform. And to me, that meant like, well, I, I seem to think like, OK, well, even though we didn't see exactly what happened definitively with him and Grimlock, like obviously he's moving forward with getting Metroplex to transform. And I considered that, you know, some kind of victory, even though we don't know the details of it. But what I thought was interesting is in the, in the, 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 I guess the, the commentary, like Barber seemed to be under the impression that like Rodimus lost. And then, and I think, I think Scioli was kind of like, no, we haven't exactly seen what happens. And, you know, I, I don't think that's what happened or whatever. And I, I just thought that was kind of, you know, interesting that they, yeah, they no. weren't exactly on the same page. But clearly, like, if, if you go by the art, you know, yeah, you don't know exactly what happened in between that time span. But when all said and done, Rodimus is still alive and kicking and he's commanding Metroplex to transform, whereas nobody yeah. else can. So I was like, I, I just took that as like, OK, that's, you know, for me, I'm like, OK, that's a notch in you know, in Rodimus's belt and, and, yeah. and that lives up to I, my, my expectation of what I had when I, you know, basically what we talked about in the last episode where we saw him at a certain point and we expected him to, to ascend to, to another level. And, and he had to start at the bottom to get to the top, but I, I don't think I was, you know, uh, disappointed or, uh, you know, it wasn't anything that seemed out of the ordinary to me. I, when I first originally read this issue, yeah, I was kind of like, is there a page missing? Like, maybe if there was a page of plot in between that, like, the page where Rodimus and Grimlock confront each other, and then the very next page where, yeah, it cuts to Grimlock, like, tackling Megatron, basically. Like, it would seem like, like the time skip would be a little, like, flow a little better, but, it, like, I, I was kind of like, did I miss a page? But I, I would assume that... uh uh, our good friend uh, Justin, who is not on this podcast, but I have a feeling he can somehow hear us wherever he is. I, I I don't think he would he would care for what happens to Grimlock though at the end of this issue where you well, know they, they they even talk about in the commentary when they, they basically I think when Barber got the the pages he was kind of like you know Grimlock fans aren't going to be happy about this because yeah I mean but... essentially like like. Grimlock is killed by Megatron and then he's uh wearing his tail and his head as like a uh what? ceremonial like <laughs> you know headpiece and stuff like that. Like ba basically like the, the what he tried to uh tie it to in terms of Transformers lore is now G1 Megatron essentially looks like Beast Wars Megatron because yeah, now he's his, got the T Rex head around his fist and stuff. Yeah. yeah, so so he's basically made he he he's made Grimlock his uh his trophy pretty much is what he's done. So yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't. In future issues, it, it'll it'll see you'll see that like Grimlock's story isn't quite done yet, even though it apparent he's apparently been killed, but. Yeah, for now, it's. I was kind of like, wow, they really went for it, but okay. But, you know, like, it, it kind of goes with, like, the anything can happen feel yeah, of the yeah. series, basically. Yeah. What did what did you kind of think of, like, I thought it was cool that, like, you know, Fort Max, like, last issue, it seemed like Fort Max was a threat, basically, and then they, they, they kind of go in Tunnel Rat and, like, RC go inside him and find out, like, 
uh, black arachnia is basically inside Fort Max's like brain and controlling him like she's some kind of parasite or something. And like so they that they are uh, again off panel. It seems like they get rid of that infestation and Fort Max like starts attacking Trypticon and then you get like some, you know, an appearance by Cerebros and then like Galen turns out to be like Cerebros's head. So I, I thought the Galen appearance was pretty cool. Like, yeah, I, like I, I thought that was kind of neat. Like, I, I don't know that I, I, I think I sort of saw the 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 mind control aspect coming. And I think I, I sort of expected to see Cerebros. But I, I guess for whatever reason, I wasn't sure that we were going to get some kind of human, you know, headmaster person. Yeah. But I, I, I thought it was kind of cool the way, again, the, you know, praising Skioldi's tendency to to amplify the scale you know in in certain images like i i really like the imagery of seeing like fort max and then cerebros who matched with other transformers and then seeing galen who basically is running side by side with like gi joe members and stuff and i thought that was like a really cool bit of visual imagery that also established the the scale very well as well Definitely. And like when when I first read this issue, I was kind of like, uh, you know, I wonder how this works exactly. Is Galen like just a robot? And then they kind of tie like Nebulos and stuff into like Cybertron's like myth like later on. So like, I, you know, it kind of it there's there's a journey to be like go on, basically. And uh, I really enjoyed that. Like no matter like how small the detail is, it's like something they 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 tend to address it like uh, eventually it seems like so I, I appreciate like the attention to detail i i again think that they have a strange predilection for certain characters because i know that scaly seem to really pounce and and become intrigued by dr venom and you know to, to most probably gi joe fans that might not be their first choice but he obviously seemed super fascinated with that character and then another another cobra character that me for one i would not pounce all over is raptor but like what's funny is like even reading the the commentary they have is like of course raptor's here he's super important he's cobra's accountant and i'm like never mind the fact the guy's fucking nuttier than a fruitcake and is dressed up like a fucking bird <laughs> but i'm like i'm like you put that guy in charge of the money okay but you know like but but i guess you know to him it's like oh that guy's like super important he handles the money you know and i'm just kind of like yeah okay keep telling yourself that like that raptor's super important but you know i mean it's it, it it's one of those fun kind of things you know seeing somebody's perspective on on a character that might be as ridiculous as raptor you know the final thing i would say about issue number five that i thought was interesting was and i don't know if you you t had this takeaway from the imagery that we were seeing but I, I guess in the commentary they describe the kind of influx optimus prime as optimal prime you know where he's kind of like stuck in his trailer mode and he's hanging out with snake eyes and duke in the weird like mystical realm or whatever the fuck they were doing and stuff like that but when he finally comes back to the actual reality and they refer to him as as optimus prime or whatever his trailer the two halves of the trailer that split 
actually formulate these sort of wings for Optimus Prime, and he's got pretty much like a beam saber. So I, I've kind of taken taken to calling him Endless Waltz Prime because that's kind of what it looks like to me. You know, he's kind of got he's kind of got these two trailer wings, and he's flying around and doing all this Optimus Primey like stuff. And I, I mean, I suppose to some extent, it probably evokes you know, the, the prime from the movies when he merges with uh, What's-His-Nuts or whatever. Jet, jet fire. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, I could imagine it, it evokes that imagery as well, you know, and, and, and things like that, maybe the, the the stuff in Transformers Prime and stuff. So, I mean, you know, they, they don't specifically say that, but, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, as much as we've talked about Floro Deary basically ripping off the RX-78, for Prime's imagery, I mean, I feel like it really comes home in these issues where you see Prime running around with a beam saber chopping into, like, you know, G.I. Joe headquarters and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's just something that I felt was worth mentioning. I don't know if you had that takeaway from it as well or not. Yeah, like, I, I, I assumed it was some kind of, like, homage to, yeah, like, movie Prime. Because movie, like, I think in it, either the third, yeah, it's like the third one, like, his trailer becomes a, like, jetpack or whatever with wings and stuff. So, or or even Prime Prime, who has, like, a jetpack, you know, so... I, I, but I, I do see like what you meant about like the Gundam references, basically, especially especially I think it's like the cover to either issue five or six where like Prime's like holding the beam saber over his head and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of his the the beam saber. He's kind of got like a weird like Minecraft or Tetris hilt or something. Like I thought that was kind of weird. But you want to move on to yeah. talking about issue six? Yeah, I guess. sure. My my favorite thing in all of issue six that made me guffaw and laugh out loud. I love when fucking General Flag blows the fucking juggler bureaucrat away and is like <laughs> we're we're doing a fucking coup fuck the stupid president fuck these jugglers like there's a threat coming to earth and the only person who's got the fucking balls to do anything about it is me you know and i was just like fucking hey i love that shit that's awesome crazy old yeah general flag yeah. and i i like how yeah like i i forgot um when when does Hawk come in and like he finds I think, like I think that's in issue eight because isn't that where he finds him like in the Oval Office and he's kicking his feet up and everything and yeah like, yeah and, and then I, I like how he was like he, like in like, Flat gives him like a, a ultimatum like you're with me or against me and then it cuts to the next page and they're like on cyber like they're with him obviously yeah. and Hawk's like I can't believe you talked me into this yeah, like yeah. but um I I liked the uh the the interpretation of astro train like in this in this comic like where it's like oh, he's you know like tons and tons of of like he's not box just, cars yeah, yeah like he's, he's not trailing just off him yeah I, I i guess delving into that like what did you think of the like i i think one thing like usually the scales on most characters have been pretty traditional but it seems in the case of astro train like they made him kind of the arch enemy of Omega Supreme in this. So like when they finally face off, you're you're either left thinking that, you know, Omega Supreme is a little smaller than you expect, but probably not because he's a whole damn highway or whatever. So you're like it must mean that Astro Train is a lot larger than you would normally think, I suppose. Yeah, that, I thought that was cool, because, like, Astro Train and Omega Supreme, like, used to fight, like, occasionally on the cartoon, so, like, making them, like, contemporaries, I guess, or rivals, I thought made sense. Go Omega! <laughs> 
I did I did like how how Omega Supreme like transforms into a highway basically like cuz like the it is like the tracks of his toy basically and that's that's what Skioli de- decided to like emphasize were the tracks so he turns into this like winding highway that kind of like com- like uh condenses into a rocket and a robot yeah I, I I thought that was interesting because they're they're basically looking for this character and it turns out like it's like we've driven all over and it's like you have driven all over it like literally you know like because he's that he's that big so i thought that was kind of neat i really liked in issue six like the the double page spread of like the big fight scene like happening like on earth or whatever and i like in the bottom corner it's like battle force 2000 and they're like man they must be really desperate if they're bringing us out like, <laughs> yeah i thought that was kind of funny because it that that was always one of the the characters or the the toys where by that point like larry hama was like oh i can't wait to kill off all those guys and it was like the minute the minute he got the green light to be able to kill joe's in the comic it was like i think it was like not not an issue or two after you know saw viper popped caps on the dock it was like there was this whole issue of like battle force 2000 battle force 2000 is dead you know like, it was like he, <laughs> he just he couldn't wait to like take those guys out it was like you know probably them and serpentor were you know top on his hit list or whatever so yeah I, I always thought like that some of the imagery in this is is fairly interesting, like where they were trying to establish like what what a cult like Cobra might believe, you know, and like they, they I mean, they're trying to tie it back to the whole, you know, biblical thing of the, the serpent, you know, being exiled from Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden and stuff. And it was just like. That was kind of weird. And then and then I, I, I don't know if this applies specifically to issue number six, but there there's all those kind of ties that they try to make, which I, I don't know that I really understand it other than it's like, you know, like we're saying a kid's logic, but they have the, you know, basically the join or die imagery, you know, of the snake cut up into, you know, the 13 pieces of the colony. And that was, you know, obviously historically it's, it's, you know, imagery of, you know, the colonies, you know, coming together, basically, it was, it was a tool of, of, you know, the, the publications at the time to have, you know, people that would become Americans, you know, stand up against, you know, the colonies and everything. But it's funny how, in this case, they somehow appropriate it to, to like Cobra's philosophy, which I, I, I don't know, I, I find that a little, a little insidious, but, but, but I mean, I could understand it from, from a child's logic is like, Oh, there's a poster with a snake. It must be associated with Cobra, you know, like, like that. Yeah. Yeah. No simplistic, you know, but, but to me, it means something like totally different basically. Yeah. It's more of a, you know, it's obviously like a hopeful message, but it's kind of twisted into being something. Yeah. And like you said, insidious basically, Note I really liked, and I would totally, like, buy toys of, like, they, they have the Combaticons, and they all turn into Joe vehicles. Yeah, and, yeah, like, that they, was kind of, yeah. it's weird, like, they're in the Tomahawk at one point, and then all of a sudden it's like, you guys are dumb, and then the Tomahawk, like, basically becomes, like, Vortex, pretty much, like, he becomes one of Bruticus's arms, and he kicks all these Joes out of, out of the, 
you know, the, the helicopter. No, we didn't address in the last issue, and I guess we, we find out for sure in this one is that, like, Wild Bill, like, died, like, and we didn't even realize it. And it turns out, like, Wild Bill was Zartan, like, for the last couple issues. Is, and, that, like, uh, is that, I mean, I understood that, that Zartan disguised himself as Wild Bill, but, like, is that the same, like, is that the same Wild Bill that was in the infirmary? Because I, I thought maybe... Yes, like, oh, yeah. okay. Cause, because when Tunnel Rat's, like, in the Decepticon base, he comes across Perceptor, who who oh, is now... yeah, that's yeah. right, who has, like, Wild Bill's corpse in his chest. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah or is, is performing an autopsy on the real Wild Bill. Mm. And, like, it turns out, yeah, Perceptor is, like, a quote-unquote traitor, like they say, but... You'll, you'll find out later on in the series, not really. But for now, like, we don't know any better. And we think, what, is Perceptor really a Decepticon? I think, I think but... the way, I mean, just, just for listeners, for, for a point of interest, I think the way I originally read that before before you spelled it out for me and, and we were talking about that is, I, I think I read it as, like, the real Wild Bill was in the infirmary, but then Zartan just pretended to be, like, a healthy Wild Bill. Because cause it seemed like there was that interaction between Zartan as Wild Bill with Jinx, where she was like, boy, you really got back up on your feet really fast. Like, good to see you back up on your feet, Bill. And he's kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he fucking lets all the covert troops in and, like, you know, Braun <laughs> and all these poor grunts are trying to, like, you know, mow down, like, this army of covert troops or whatever. I like uh, the the continuing adventures of the Wave Brothers too, where like uh, Shockwave sees like Soundwave's like body, which has been transformed into like a like drone by Doctor Venom, and Doctor Venom is basically like Soundwave's headmaster, and uh, you know Shockwave's like my brother, what have they done to you? Like, <laughs> like yeah, that that imagery of Optimus Prime like slicing into the pit was also very. I mean, obviously it's Kirby-like, but but again, to me, it evokes kind of a Gundam feel. You know, the way he's got the sword, which looks like a beam saber, and it's penetrating yeah, it's all, like all these different sticking layers into a of ship or pit. something. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought there's so much. Yeah, like it's like we can't even discuss like everything. Like that's why I didn't want to like I didn't want to like give a synopsis of each issue because there is so much going on like in the background and like all like on every page is like. The book is so, like, fast-paced, and, like, so much happens. Well, yeah, like like we were saying on the, the previous show, like, it does have that frenetic Kirby feel where basically anything, any kind of interesting idea that comes to mind is just, you know, quickly drawn and, and put onto a page and put together. And, and it's interesting reading the commentary because it sounds like as they progressed, like, you know, it was Scioli's goal to kind of, stop rewrites you know to like not write multiple drafts of the same issue over and over again but it seemed like the more he mandated himself to do like a you know just a first draft only the the more rewrites he ended up doing anyway you know so it seems like you know obviously there was a lot of work put into this and a lot of thought behind you know how certain story points and aspects were going to be introduced and you know revising things and it seems like he had certain rules to himself where he said i'm not going to do any flashbacks and then eventually as they crept into the story he was kind of like well this this seems to fit into the story you know so i i, I feel like i need to put it in here you know so he sort of went back on his own kind of rules or whatever you know the the one thing that i thought was interesting too is like there's this sequence where 
they have uh, Megatron and, and then the Cobra guys are controlling like all these captives that they have and, and they're forcing them to fight using like Atari joysticks and stuff. And like in that sequence, like, you know, you've got, you know, GI Joe fighting the Autobots. And that's the point where you sort of find out that, you know, Galen is, you know, a human being and everybody's like freaking out because they didn't realize that, the you know the headmaster of Fortress Maximus was you know a human from from Nebulos or whatever and that kind of thing, but the the other thing that it reminded me of was in the Revenge of Cobra miniseries, like there's a sequence where Destro and Cobra Commander you know basically have those control chips on Snake Eyes and Duke and force them to fight each other and stuff, and that's kind of what it reminded me of where it's like it's a callback, but it's not like a a really obvious callback or something that's directly spelt out or anything. But it, it's like, if you knew about it, you kind of, you know, it, it would evoke that same feel and everything. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll, we'll transition into the, into to talking a, a little more about the next issue with the ending of this issue where it kind of fades out. And it seems like, like it fades out on Scarlet like in a mental hospital and she like, you know, she's being treated by this doctor and she like, he's saying that like everything has been a dream basically, or a delusion of Scarlet's. Yeah. They, they, they seem to indicate at least the, the auteurs, you know, they seem to indicate that a lot of people like ourselves had mentioned about this kind of childlike nature to the stories the the kind of childlike innocence of well this kind of makes sense you know they it's shockwave and soundwave both have wave in their last name so they're brothers you know and kind of like that that childlike simplicity of what's been going on and they felt like they should just address that outright so in this sense you've got kind of like this whole you know sarah connor in the loony bin sequence where you know scarlet is you know it's like oh you're shanna o'hara and there is no gi joe and you know transformers are just cartoons you know like you know this is not real and everything and of course it turns out the the uh doctor who's treating her is dr mindelbinder you know which is like supposed to be basically like dr mindbender and stuff and uh it seems like the whole I mean, uh, you know, the, the whole seventh issue really deals with that aspect. I thought it was interesting that they, they brought up the uh, the G.I. Joe episode where um, I think I think it was like Shipwreck where they had him trapped in like yeah, a Spring, Springfield. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like all those, all, you know, basically all the people in the town he was in, they all melted and shit. Roadblock. What's going on in there? Sure was toasty. And like, I mean, I remember thinking that was like a really trippy ass episode. And I think they were trying to, you know, either evoke that same feel and everything. I mean, I guess at some point it ended up being decided that it would be Scarlet rather than Shipwreck. But, you know, the, the same kind of vibe applies. It's like, you, you know, basically she's questioning herself and you know, kind of, is this real? Is this fake? And, you know, I, I think obviously for, for the purposes of this story, I think you, you quickly kind of figure out that this is, you know, somebody's pulling the wool over Scarlet's eyes kind of thing. And, and she's not really falling for it for, for very long. It seems like, it seems like she's the, the talking about maybe, you know, 
strong female characters. I mean, obviously, it seems like she's she's the strongest there is because she's the only one fighting this this mental brainwashing, basically. Whereas all the other Joes, whether it's like you know Mutt, you know, and his dog Junkyard, or whoever else is in this little kind of virtual world, you know, they all seem to be on board with the program, you know, and everything. Whereas she's the only one really fighting against it. I, um, I guess, you know, I, I'm just trying to think of like, like you said, there's like so much stuff to talk about in it, but what about like the, this whole like fake, like life or like city they make is actually within like Scorpion. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's kind of like Springfield was always a, a, you know, quote unquote fake, american community that cobra housed themselves in you know and so it's kind of like springfield has been built in the innards of scorponok and that's where this weird experiment is taking place you know they think they have this normal human existence and they're trying to convince all these brainwashed joes that you know their their you know their time with GI Joe was all fictional and just a product of their imagination and it turns out like obviously it's not and 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 like so some of the the sequences you know I think are very like it, basically when she goes all uh, I guess what I'd call ninja scarlet you know ninja force scarlet it's like she she starts shaving her head and they they, they basically talk about how they wanted to give scarlet the the storm mohawk basically and everything but it's like she's got this whole fake life set up with like a husband and two kids and you know they they, they do play with the idea i mean she basically like slits her husband's throat who is probably like just a cobra fred or something like that and then and then there's that kind of doubt with uh with the kids it's like what, did she burn the kids alive like what happened to the kids and i guess later on you find out they're all you know creepy cobra bat that, that was super creepy when the two like kid robot skeletons attack her yeah. like i was like oh holy shit like yeah like i i would say this is like my favorite issue of the entire series like thus far at least like i like i in it's weird since i'm a bigger like transformers fan than i am like of gi joe but i just thought like the imagery was very powerful in this issue and it just yeah like the the narrative was very like like focused for a change basically like usually they're throwing so much out there and there is that but this this seemed like by staying with scarlet the entire time it was like a much more like focused issue yeah yeah it was definitely very focused i mean they they seem to be going for you know a very evocative 80s type violent comic where you know scarlet is reminiscent of stuff like electra you know and, and the electric yeah, assassins is it, there's also there's like a there's a what do you call it? i think it's like a who who drew like the weapon x arc uh, barry, oh, barry Windsor Windsor smith. smith yeah like yeah. there's that exact like homage to that where like scarlet jumps out of the like glass with her sword like towards dr you know fakey mcfakey right right you know. right yeah, you, you know what I was going to ask you about that is one thing that stood out to me is when they when they go into the reveal and and basically Scarlet turns the the brainwave scanner back on Dr. Mindbender, like when it goes back through his head, they see in his mind like all the, you know, 
tyrants in history basically that he would use to create serpentor and stuff and i thought it was funny like i i don't know like it's weird i guess maybe i'm not sure if i don't know my gi joe lore enough for whatever but they they had all these interesting historical names that you would expect you know sun tzu and caesar and you know alexander the great and montezuma and stalin and you know, Genghis Khan and, and, you know, Adolf Hitler and, and all this stuff. But like one of them in there was like Dracula. And I was just like Dracula, like, and they really <laughs> emphasized it. Like, like they, they do do that where, I mean, I know I say oh, it. Scarlet's. Yeah. Like Scarlet's. Yeah. Like inner monologue is like Dracula kind of, it, with it, a question mark. Well, it's like, yeah. it's like first it's just said as matter of factly like Dracula. And then it's like Dracula. And it's like Dracula, like for real, like Dracula, like, you know, and it's like one of those things where it's like, I sort of felt that way too, where I was like, wait, what do you mean Dracula? Like, you know, like, I, I mean, I suppose if, if, if they had said like Vlad the Impalmer or something like that, then I would have been like, oh, okay, whatever. But, you know, anyway, I just thought that was kind of funny in the middle of this kind of storyline. But I mean, essentially she, she sort of confronts herself, you know? And, and oh yeah, and, like and, a, f- a fake like yeah, like I guess well they they've been hinting it like doesn't Tunnel Rat like run into like you know the incubator tubes or whatever that they're making like fake humans basically yeah. and yeah and she confronts like a duplicate of herself. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I guess in some ways it's supposed to be like a a happy ending or a positive ending because yeah, like, the, the, uh, the intimation is like now they have control of. Scorponok and this this faux American Springfield town and Bumblebee gets his head back and everything like that. But it's 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 all one panel. I mean, I think if I hadn't read their commentary, I don't know that I would have got as much well, I guess, of a like, positive vibe out of it. The implication is that like Nebulos, or they just call it Neb like apostrophe Os or Neb Neblos or something, was like a uh, either a settlement on Cybertron that had like organics on it or something, and Scorbinok was like built on top of it, and I guess like Zarek, like Lord Zarek, I guess betrayed the rest of them to the Decepticons. Oh, okay. I guess, and like it, it seems like he's in control of Scorbinok, and yeah, the last page like has Scarlet like you know slay Zarek, and then she takes control of Scorbinok, and then. Yeah, the la- the very last panel is her returning Bumblebee's head to Optimus Prime. I mean, I guess moving on, I mean, we, we sort of talked about some of this stuff already that happens in, in issue eight. I mean, specifically, we already sort of talked about, you know, Omega Supreme and Astro Train, and we brought up the whole, you know, General Flag coup and how, you know, Hawk basically goes along for the ride. And I, I mean, I did enjoy that a great deal like it did give me a good hearty chuckle uh, as far as that goes um and 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 the the imagery of this giant highway basically turning into a mega supreme was pretty cool um so i'm not trying to downplay that but i mean as far as speaking to you know some of the other stuff that takes place in that issue uh, you know they do specifically focus much more on um on Billy, you know, Cobra Commander's son in this. And and what I did find interesting was, you know, Billy obviously was was injured in the car wreck and all that stuff, just like he was in, in regular G.I. Joe lore. But w- one of the visual imagery uh, images that I found uh, interesting 
was and it's very kind of evocative of like the weirdness of like Jack Kirby on something like OMAC where Billy's mechanical arm and leg are basically transformers. So you've got like these guys <laughs> that are like turned into the, like their name their names are Arm Army and Limbot. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, and pretty hilarious. Like, yeah. like that to me was like something where you're like, wow, this is you know, again going back to that whole blue cupcakey freaky deaky kind of thing that's going on and and i was like oh this is kind of this is kind of wild and wacky and, and all that kind of stuff and again in that sequence you do see the uh the join or die you know snake and everything which again i'm kind of like well that doesn't mean what you think it means but okay you know like that's fine um i'm just gonna ignore that and move on now the other thing i was gonna ask you is that supposed to be a g2 ramjet in this issue oh what the 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 Decepticon like stalking through the Autobot ghetto or yeah, whatever it yeah. is like uh, that, that fights with I don't think, I think it's just I it's, it's I think it's just some random seeker you know because okay. he gets okay. he gets like axed like immediately basically but and then and um then just I could see oh. like I'm looking at the page right now like I could it's his color schemes like similar to that but not like exact basically okay I was just curious because I wasn't sure if it was definitive or not. I mean, it, I, I, it did occur to me since we were talking about all those Transformers commercials not too long ago. So I was like, is that is that supposed to be him or not? So I wasn't I wasn't really sure. Um, and then I, I suppose for all the wheelie haters, I mean, it does kind of look like <laughs> like they were trying to murder uh, poor wheelie in this issue. <laughs> yeah, the harvester. Like and, and, and then there's that kind of brief. Uh, social commentary about he's a child soldier and and then it's like you never see her again or you never see him again so i mean i assume he got harvested i mean unless somebody shows me something different later on in the in the series but like i suppose if you're a wheelie hater like i guess this issue's for you because clearly it doesn't look like he got away or anything yeah the, the harvester unit kind of picks him up and yeah that's the last you see of them this this issue also introduces a uh, cup and Rekgar, and i guess Rekgar as a junkie on is like a junkie <laughs> like it seems like they he's kind of like he he's kind of a strung out like uh what do you call it? like uh I, I i don't know exactly what they were going for but uh it says like he's been addicted to like nucleon and dark energon and stuff like that and then like cup comes and finds him and tells him that like you know optimus prime is back so he's like he, he gets off the smack immediately and you know what do you call it? uh joins the revolution yeah it, it again you know evoking the whole gundam imagery there is a like a climactic fight between megatron and optimus and there are these kind of faux japanese kanji symbols where they've got you know the transformers logo in japanese and the gi joe logo in japanese and you know and i i guess that sequence to me i don't know i don't know if this is something you thought of but I mean, I guess going into the, the nitty gritty details, I mean, it ends with Optimus Prime having a big hole blown through his chest and he's basically like, you know, kicked off of a large, you know, platform and he's basically falling to, you know, I mean, uh, presumably he's already fucking dead, but now he's he's again dead and falling basically. And, and they reveal that Megatron is somehow corrupted the Matrix with the black hole of his heart, basically. And, like, the, the, when he falls, like, I, I don't know why, but it sort of reminded me of, you know, Transformers 24, 
like where they did the whole fake fight with Prime and Megatron in the virtual reality world and stuff, and Prime was giving himself a hard time. I, I don't know exactly why, but that's kind of what I, I, I got a vibe of somehow. But I don't know if it was anything in particular other than, you know, Prime and Megatron having, like, this final fatal fight. Or yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess, like... I, I was kind of like, what? But Optimus just got back. Like, and now he's, like, dead again, almost? Like, okay, but whatever. Like, I, I don't know. It was, it's not, like, I can't get too upset over what, anything that happens in this book, basically. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, well, sometimes I, I guess to, like, to keep yeah. it in perspective, I mean, you know, Optimus is, is falling to his death, basically, or is dead. But, you know, the person screaming out, you know, Optimus, it can't end like this, is Bumblebee, who we thought for shit sure was dead in the first issue, you know? So it's like, I guess, you know, again, when it comes to Transformers, you know, it's like, even, even in this, you know, you can never be sure of, of the finale of everything. I guess we should talk about too, like, uh, what's been, like, uh, it seems like Cybertron is starting to like consume earth at this point, or at least like extend it's like sort of whatever those giant horns are at the bottom that are growing like into earth and like, uh, like on on Earth, uh, Cobra Commander has returned too. I don't think we mentioned that, but like it turned out, like the Cobra Commander that was like enshrined by like you know the Baroness and yeah, that was uh, just Destro like was a was Fred. a Fred, yeah. So like, and Cobra Commander has captured like Snake Eyes, and uh, I, I kind of lost track of like who was where at because like. Snake Eyes was like in Macadam, Macadam's oil house at one point, like earlier. Yeah, I think it was a weird. And... I'm, I don't know, like if that's my butthurt fanboy or whatever, but I, I thought it was kind of weird that just because he's Snake Eyes and he's super cool, he can go into a Transformers bar full of robots and basically, you know, like pull a pull a Batman or a Rorschach on him. And I was just kind of like, what? Like, cause he, he basically like stabbed this one guy like three times with a sword and they're like, no more. I'll give you Energon. I'll give you whatever you want. Just don't hurt me. And I'm kind of like, you're a fucking transformer. What do you mean? Don't hurt. I don't know. I was like, <laughs> I don't know. To me, that was yeah. a little, a little wacky, you know? Yeah. I, I, I was kind of like, okay, well, I guess it's just cause like snake eyes is the bestest. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, he's but, got yeah. that mega fan aura going on where it's like, even transformers are scared of snake eyes, you know? <laughs> like, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I guess that's it for issue eight. Um, I did. I did. Well, we talked about it earlier, but I did kind of feel bad for Billy because he. It seems like he was the one who captured Snake Eyes for like Cobra Commander, and then like Cobra Commander's like, "Well, that's cool, but you know this giant snake god that we're praying to, like the Cobra Cobra or whatever it yeah, is. It's just like it's just like Mirakuru. Yeah. Like as long as you make yeah. the Japanese sounding, apparently it's cool. Like it's yeah, like, it's like it's like Miraclo and and Cobra La might be lame, but when you make it Koruburu La, you know, then all of a yeah. sudden it's cool. You know, so, and what whatever case, yeah, what the the giant snake god that like I guess cobra commander prays to or whatever like tears like billy apart or like tears his non-robotic limbs off so like i kind of felt bad for billy but yeah and and it seemed like it's weird like the cobra law or koburu law 
aspects of the story. I mean, there's there's this weird purple beast and everything, and then they they have intimations like there there were images where you're like, oh, that kind of looks like Pythona, and that kind of looks like Galobulus, and that kind of looks like Nemesis Enforcer. But I mean, they're just vague background imagery it's almost like you know watching jack kirby draw some kind of random parademon that has no backstory or influence on the story it's not like it's not like globulus is making cobra commander bow to him or anything it's just some guy with like you know a snake tail that happens to be on the page with everybody else you know so i guess uh we'll we should probably uh, move on and talk about issue nine, which I, I guess kind of uh, is a flashback or like they basically like the, the the title for it is like Spotlight Destro, basically. And it's kind of it tells the history of Destro in this universe, basically. And it's I, it, it kind of puts the main plot on hold for a while, like or for an issue or two. Yeah, it kind of it kind of hails back to that sequence we talked about with the the tomahawk and going back to like you know the viking imagery and everything and i mean the story is is very kind of historical like you know kind of getting away from the original rules that skioli set for himself i mean it's almost like the whole thing is a flashback and i i think they tried to say that maybe 2001 was kind of an influence for it as well you know like going through all these different stages in the history of G.I. Joe and Transformers and stuff like that. And you had the McCullough clan, which is basically Destro's ancestors. And then, you know, the Vikings in the story, I don't know, it was kind of a stretch, but, but you know, long story short, they're the ancestors of Duke and Hawk, basically. And so those, those two parties end up coming into conflict. And they, you know, the McCullough clan stumbles upon the Ark somehow, which you're kind of like, well, wait, aren't they in Scotland? And isn't this in Oregon? But they don't really go into too much detail about how that comes across. But basically... The McCullough clan ends up going into the Ark, and then they try to establish some rationale for why there would be human-sized or close to human-sized Transformers, because these these Scotsmen have entered the Ark, and Teletran 1 comes on and tries to scan them, and then this kind of weird rumble-looking Transformer comes out, and they, they kind of accost him and view that as like, a prize from the gods or something. And yeah, I mean, it seems like, you know, basically the McCullough clan made their fortune as arms dealers out of reverse engineering their limited exposure to Cybertronian technology is what I kind of got out of it. You know, that, that that's what made Destro his empire. And then the weirdest thing about it was reading how Castle McCullough basically was transported brick by brick, just like, I guess, uh, Lex's castle being moved to Smallville or whatever, you know, it was like, it was like the, the castle was moved brick by brick from Scotland to California. And it kind of cracked me up, but I was like, yeah, I guess, you know, like, you know, so. And, and if you, if you say so, well, yeah. look, I, I've got an even more ridiculous like instance of that. And I, I don't think you've seen, uh, much of this show but in gargoyles like that the castle from scotland and gargoyles was moved to like the top of you know jonathan frakes's skyscraper or whatever <laughs> so awesome i was awesome. like okay so you got like how many helicopters to do this like yeah. okay 
but well it's like they always say money is no object because we're super rich or whatever exactly exactly yeah make the offer now owen this instant may i say one last time mr xanatos that the costs of this venture will be astronomical start hiring crews i want to begin as soon as possible it may prove difficult to find the necessary manpower this castle has a bad reputation the locals consider it haunted you know the answer to that owen pay a man enough and he'll walk barefoot into hell i mean it's it's interesting because they they do display like the the origins of cobra commander and destro's partnership you know and and the idea that he just you know rolled up a truckload of money and said destro i want you exclusively to work for cobra from now on basically and you know Destro's like there's not enough money in the world and then he went oh wait no there is you know like and so it was kind of like you know and then a partnership was made you know so I like how, like, it, it, like, yeah, Destro, like, tells about his history and stuff and, like, how he received inspiration from, like, you know, some of the, like, Decepticons and Autobots who were, like, sleeping, like, below or whatever. And I don't, there's, like, a panel of him, like, listening to, I guess it's Ratbat, like, hanging upside down. Like, in his, like, and I, I was, like, kind of joking, like, when I wrote the review for this issue for Bot Talk, where I was like, I wonder what Ratbat was, like, mumbling about in his sleep, where it was, he like, ah, fuel, fuel budget overbalanced, like, like, uh, like a car wash of doom, like, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, I, th- I thought that was pretty funny, like, and then I, I also like how, like, all the women that Cobra Commander, like, offers Destro along with the money look like the Baroness. I don't even think I noticed that. That's pretty funny. Oh, you know what? Like, if you read, like, a digital copy of this issue, like, I think the last page was, like, accidentally cut out. Oh, like, okay. did, did you see the image of the giant pile of money? I did see, the, uh, yeah, I saw women? the image of the, 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 I think Cobra Commander, like, sends him, like, three, three stacks of money or something like that. That's what oh, I okay, remember. yeah, so you, you might have missed the last page then. Like, the last page of this issue is like a giant mountain of money and all these like half naked women that look like the baroness huh? wow it sounds like i missed like the best freaking part <laughs> yeah I, I don't know it was cut out of digital for some reason like mistakenly cut out of digital like releases of this issue but okay okay yeah that that's pretty much like destro and uh, at the top of the pyramid of money covered with like half naked women it's like destro and cobra commander are shaking hands so. ah okay Cool, yeah, cool. that's awesome. But no, I, I liked this. Like, I, like again, like I, I like I, I'm a bigger like Transformers fan than I am of GI Joe. But like, I I, I like these. Skioli takes these characters and kind of like comes up with new histories for them. But like, I don't know. Again, using that sort of child logic, basically, where. I, I really like, like, you know, Destro's whole deal. Like, like he's an arms dealer, and he's, like, part machine, yeah. So, like, maybe he has ties to, like, the Cybertronians, basically, so. Yeah, I thought I thought it was interesting, and it, it certainly opened up a, a larger tapestry for, for something that you would think of for even G.I. Joe or Transformers. I mean, it's not often you see, you know, Highlanders and Vikings in transformers or gi joe stories so it's kind of cool that they they could go there i mean this i thought sort of moved a little bit away from the whole childlike kind of sensibilities i mean i i see what you're saying but it's like it's like when's the last time you had a 
Transformers or G.I. Joe Hasbro catalog with, you know, Highlanders or, or Vikings involved. You know, it's not like there's like the the Joe Viking commander, like, you know, Billy Bob Viking, you know, and the, like Larry <laughs> Hammer writes a fucking file car about it or whatever. It's not like and there's then, like, and it kills him off in the next issue. Yeah. Like, or, or it's like it's like, you know, it's like you've never seen like it's like here's a Viking sail ship and it comes with the driver like, you know, uh you know cross country or whatever you know it's just like what like you know so it's like that 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 kind of yeah. stuff i i thought was, was a lot more it's like expansive to the to, to the story itself like it, it felt like it was something that served their story rather than the the iconography of the toy line sort of influencing the story yeah like, like to me like like this kind of story probably could have never been told by Larry Hama or Bob Badansky because there it's like the, 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 the Larry's, you know, they would have been like, well, wh where's the toy? Like, what are we selling? Do you know what I mean? Like we, we <laughs> yeah. don't got no naked Baroness toys to sell. Like, what are we doing? You know, like we don't got no play set with like money and stuff. Like what, what are we doing here? You know, like, so <laughs> yeah. it's like, that's, well, it's, they, it could have been like, you know, they've got Ninja force and eco force. And it's like now the next wave, like Viking force. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Viking force and, and, and Highlander force. The Highlanders <laughs> are part of the iron grenadiers, Larry, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I'm sure Larry would have a grand old time, you know, writing up the file cards for these guys. Like, yeah, yeah, no, but no, but yeah, like I, I continue to really enjoy this series and like uh, enjoy. I'm I'm sad that it's 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 ending with issue 13. As as of this recording, we know that it's going to end with issue 13, and I guess it's better that it ends before it wears out its welcome. But, like, at the same time, I'm kind of sad that, like, you know, there's not going to be another... Well, maybe, maybe like, some years down the road, maybe they'll do a sequel or something. But, like, I am sad because I'm never disappointed when I read this book, basically. I'm always... I, I think it's a lot of fun. And, I don't know, I think people get kind of uppity about it where, you know, like, I think we discussed last time where everyone's like, Oh, it looks like a second grader drew this shit or whatever, but... I, I don't know. I think there's more, there's more to like art, like even like comic book art than like, you know, simplicity does not equal like a lack of complexity basically. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and overwhelming detail doesn't necessitate that it's genius either, you know, like, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah you, you kind of have to take the, the, the art and the story on its own merits and everything and, and see what, you know, what they're going for and what they're attempting. I mean, I, I think all these have been successful at what they've been going for. I mean, they, they've tried to, you know, put a lot of concepts and, and, uh, different kind of, you know, toy concepts and and sort of put them into a single cohesive narrative and you know you know sometimes obviously since it is influenced by jack kirby and you know morrison and, and and all these different types of people i mean yeah sometimes that gets a little bit away from them but i mean as far as you know what you're saying i mean you, you feel like you're you're not disappointed when you read the issues you you usually enjoy yourself and, and get a good read out of it and you know i mean considering most comics today are written for the trade and you barely have to spend a minute like leafing through it before you get the 
you know, the singular chapter of whatever the story is. I mean, this is the type of thing that you could spend a lot of time pouring over because the splash page isn't just one dude punching another dude and going, ugh. It's like, you know, there's all these different, you know, gigantic landscapes of, of a battle going on. But then in the meantime, there are like specific focuses where he's got these kind of like magnifying glass panels that highlight, you know, oh, here's Tunnel Rats part of the splash page. And oh, here is, you know, Gung Ho's part of the splash page. And oh, here's Perceptor and Wheeljack commenting within the bowels of Metroplex under a mic, you know, a magnifying glass. So, I mean, I, I think all that kind of stuff is is uh, in, not only inspired, but, but also you can see kind of like the attention to detail and the time and effort and dedication that they put into you know, designing those type of pages and panels. And, you know, it's something I definitely appreciate. Yeah, like, it, no matter, like, how much it seems like they're just coming up with this stuff out of their ass, it's like, you know, there is a sort of logic to a lot of it, basically. And in in whatever case, yeah, like, I, I really enjoy this series, and I think the, the, the strongest thing I can say about it is that Whenever I, I pick up a G.I. Joe and Transformers crossover, I'm like 90% reading it for Transformers and like, you know, 10% reading it for G.I. Joe. But the fact that Skioli has made me interested in like the G.I. Joe portion of it is like, I think that's high praise, basically. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely enjoy it. And I, I hope other people I mean, I, I think we, we got a lot of positive feedback from in terms of views and listens and stuff from from the first episode we did so i mean i i would imagine you know at the very least we probably you know convinced or conned some poor saps into checking this out you know so i i, I hope that you know people coming back to this now and listening to this you know obviously enjoyed you know whatever issues were out at the time and and that they enjoy listening to us you know kind of discuss it now and and checking out the uh you know, hopefully the finale of, of where this all heads. I mean, is there, is there anything that you, you specifically are, are maybe either looking forward to or something that you hope, uh, you can see the, uh, within the context of these, these properties, like within the last two issues? I mean, is there anything like where you're like, Oh golly, I hope they, you know, introduce MicroMasters or Action Masters or, or I hope, you know, you know, it's like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if Ecoforce showed up and, and, and they got put in the smelter with Wheelie or, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I'm just kind of throwing stuff out there because. Well, there was something cool that, like, hasn't shown up in, like, the, the, one of the issues yet that, like, Scioli likes to post a lot of, like, preview art. And I thought it was funny, like, he had. He showed a bunch of like, like the Protectabots, but it was it wasn't like the traditional Protectabots, or some of, some of them were. But like Prowl was a member of the team, and like RC was a member of the team, and basically it was a bunch of like Autobots that usually have either like law enforcement like uh, alt modes or like you know are compassionate and you know protect things, and they all combine into like a sort of super robot defensor. And then, like, the Nebulon Peacemaker becomes their gun, like, because uh, his name is Peacemaker. Okay. So I was like, oh, that's that's really yeah, fucking yeah, cool. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, so, like, I don't know. Like, I, I'll just miss stuff like that, basically, where I, I it seems like, you know, no other place would be able to do stuff like that. 
as as for as far as your question, yeah, like like I don't know because I like anything seems possible, basically. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for all we know, it'll be like the Star Force from GI Joe will show up, and we'll we'll have like crazy lizard dudes from Cobra attacking or whatever, you know. So or, you know, so who knows? But yeah. I mean, in this series, I mean, Earth has been destroyed, like almost destroyed or like consumed by Cybertron. So it's like, you know, what else can like? It's like they're almost hit an area where what else can they do now that Earth has been like destroyed? Oh shit! Get the fuck out of here! What are you doing? Go! Get the fuck out of here, you stupid idiot! Fuck! We're all dead! Get the fuck out! But yeah, I think I think that's all I have to say about this clutch of issues. Cool. So yeah, I guess as Mike says, I I think this wraps things up for our discussion, our Empire Strikes Back, our middle of the road discussion on Transformers versus GI Joe. We hope you've enjoyed listening to our pontifications on the the various themes and 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 happenings in the issue. Uh, you can, if you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, if you'd like to. Write us an email with some feedback. You can reach us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We are on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. You can stream these podcasts on Stitcher Radio. We're on iTunes. We would love any feedback, some reviews to get our podcast uh, more widely recognized on the iTunes venue. And we are on all kinds of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and we appreciate all the feedback we receive on there. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, punching Grimlock in the face and wearing him on my wrist, signing off. (laughs) Hey, it's Mike, and uh, someone get me a pyramid of money with a bunch of naked baronesses on it. Mm, mm, Yeah. guns destro stick to your guns wow he he seems so damn rigid <laughs> well he is part robot mm. apparently wow that's a lot of barenesses man i know how did they, they found a, a lot of raven-haired women who need glasses well need is relative i suppose that's true yeah yeah, yeah.